ישראל, ישראל's Medical Cannabis Podcast. מתחילת נגורי נרקיס טסלר. היי, אני נרקיס טסלר, וחילי דנגור, ותודה על תשומת לב לקנקאסט איי-אל, ישראלי מדיקל קנאביס פודקאסט. היום אנחנו נדבר על אינובציה בקליניקה ובקליניקה ובקליניקה. אנחנו נדבר על הנקודות הכי חשובות במדיקל קנאביס שקשורים היום ובקליניקה. We're honored to host Israel's leading researcher, who's often referred to as the father of cannabis research globally, Professor Raphael Meshulam. Professor Meshulam is best known for his work in the isolation, structure, elucidation, and total synthesis of what is commonly referred to today as THC. In recent years, he has made breakthroughs in what he termed the entourage effect. Professor Meshulam was generous to invite us to his research lab here at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. This is where he conducts his breakthrough research. It is an honor to be here, Professor Meshulam. Thank you for hosting us in your lab. You're most welcome. Professor Meshulam, during the decades that researchers in other countries were unable to research cannabis because it was illegal, you had already begun. How did you manage to get your hands on the, on the cannabis plant itself? Quite frankly, I didn't realize that there were problems. When I uh, decided that I wanted to do research on cannabis, um, I just... Uh, called the administrative director of the Weizmann Institute at that time, I was there, and um, asked him whether he knows anybody in the police. And he phoned number two, number three of the police, and the person on the other hand, I never met him actually, asked, uh, is he, meaning me, is he reliable? And the um, administrative head, who didn't know me, said, of course he's reliable. So I went to the police and got five kilos of hashish. That was 1963, quite a few years ago. Wow. And I didn't have any problems. It turned out that we had broken the law, of course, <laughs> and I should have asked the Ministry of Health. So I went to the Ministry of Health and apologized and drank some coffee with them and said, I'll uh, go ahead always by first going to the Ministry of Health, asking for their permit, and uh, I had no problems over the... 20 or 30 years that I worked with cannabis. I always went to the Ministry of Health. They gave me a letter to the police, went to the police, drank some coffee with them, took my, the, the hashish I needed, and that was it. That's incredible. Professor Mashuram, what do you believe are the most important research challenge in medical cannabis today? Well, the problem today is that although cannabis, medical cannabis is used quite widely... We don't have enough clinical trials in most fields. And um, this is a major problem because physicians like to uh, back their suggestions, their medical suggestions, uh, by uh, clinical trials. And very few clinical trials are available today. And for example, there is okay, there is a clinical trial that was done uh, on. schizophrenia with pure cannabidiol in Germany, but uh, it's not, uh, cannabidiol is not used for schizophrenia. It's used for all kinds of other things. And for most of the other things, we don't have clinical trials. We have uh, the background of chemistry. We have the background of pharmacology in animals. Uh, but uh, in most cases, we don't have the clinical trials. And this is something that has to be done, that will be done, otherwise... Uh, Uh, the whole thing will we, we remain with a big question mark. And which uh, clinical trials do you recommend the research should focus on? On, on pain 
or specific diseases that you think that the most important? Well, it depends. Uh, cannabidiol has been used, is being used for a huge variety of diseases, and we have to know, uh, decide how to go ahead. Uh, for example, autoimmune diseases. These are diseases of which the body attacks itself, uh, or, or, and um, for some strange reason, we don't know in most cases why, and there are about 100 autoimmune diseases. One of them is diabetes type 1. Mm -hmm. The body attacks the cells that produce uh, insulin, and then it starts in childhood, and then the child all of a sudden doesn't have insulin, and he has uh, diabetes. And so it's treated by giving him insulin all the time. Uh, it was found, uh, we found with a group here at, uh, at the Adasa Hospital, that uh, cannabidiol blocks the autoimmune disease. If we look at the cells that produce insulin uh, in animals, not in not uh, not in children, yeah, certainly not not in humans, but in animals, and we can do that in animals. Uh, the cells that produce insulin are not destroyed. Most of them are still there. Mm -hmm. If we don't uh, give them cannabidiol over the time, over the next few months, we saw that all cells that produce insulin are destroyed. Now, this is in animals, and we are not mice, yeah. so it has to be done in humans. Yeah. And as long as it is not done in humans, uh, most physicians will not uh, give cannabidiol for uh, diabetes type 1. They will yeah. wait for a clinical trial, rightly so. Uh, so in your opinion, I understand the need. Why is it not happening? What are the barriers to additional clinical trials? A clinical trial today costs a lot of money. When insulin was discovered almost 100 years ago, it became a drug within a year. Uh, things that were demanded at that time were not very... Uh, complicated, and they could be uh, finished within several months. Today, things are much more complicated. It takes years to uh, do the clinical trials, to do everything that is needed, and it costs a huge amount of money. Uh, cannabidiol, for example, is uh, uh, being uh, is clinically tested for a, uh, a disease. Uh, uh, called GVHD, and this disease is graft versus host disease. Um, certain, in certain diseases, mostly cancer, uh, the bone marrow has to be replaced, and the replacement of the bone marrow causes the body to attack the bone marrow, and the bone marrow, the new bone marrow, attacking the body, and in many cases, the patient is sick, and sometimes very sick. And this is a kind of an autoimmune disease. The body attacks the new bone marrow, or the new bone marrow attacks the, the body. And a group at uh, uh, Bellington Hospital tried cannabidiol. Bellington in Pedartikva in Israel. Yes. And uh, they found that uh, cannabidiol is an excellent drug in this case. And they published, I was... Uh, slightly involved with that uh, research. They are going ahead. A company is now doing the clinical trials. They have been doing clinical trials. This disease for the last, uh, I would say, year or two, mm -hmm. three years. And uh, the results from what I hear are excellent. So chances are that uh, we shall have cannabidiol 
as a disease in those cases that the bone marrow has to be replaced. But oh, this sounds, is uh, sounds promising. <laughs> it sounds promising, but there are many other things that have to be. Yeah. Uh, so tested. what has to happen in order to get these clinical trials underway? We need to, to add more money, more funds. Big pharma needs to come in. The big pharma is apparently, at the moment at least, not very interested because there are no patents. Mm -hmm. And without a patent, they don't want to spend a lot of money on something that they won't have any... That they can't uh, defend. They cannot uh, refund them, uh, the expenses. So at the moment, to the best of my knowledge, the big companies are not doing it. And maybe because there's no standardization in the... In the trial, like you cannot find no, stability? No, the trials mm -hmm. can be done mm -hmm. because there are individual indications that in many diseases, cannabidiol is indeed a good drug. Not for everything. There is mm -hmm. no, it's not a panacea. It doesn't, uh, 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 one cannot treat every disease with cannabidiol. Today in the U.S., they give cannabidiol for everything. They put it in chocolate, they put it, yeah. they give it for whatever a person has. Well, There is no drug yeah, that will be a Yeah, but it's commercial, it's not a medical uh, yeah, well, based. Even for medical, <laughs> there is no drug that can be a panacea that will treat everything. We, we need clinical trials for specific diseases. And um, a lot of people are taking cannab cannabinoids of various types, whether it's THC or CBD, for cancer. But there have been no uh, good major clinical trials in cancer. So if somebody asks me, uh, should I take it for cancer? Say, I don't know. Uh, some people reported very high doses of THC and CBD uh, is helpful. Maybe. But until we have it's a good clinical trial. It's still all anecdotal. It's anecdotal by uh, all means. It's most of the research and clinical research with cannabinoids is anecdotal, unfortunately. So I'm going back. We need to find more organizations that are willing to fund. And if it's not going to be big pharma because they're not interested yet, who should it be? Well, I'm not the right person to, to <laughs> be asked who should pay for that. Governments don't do clinical trials. Yeah, unfortunately. But governments, for some strange reason, have large budgets. And I see no reason why, in this specific case, governments, ministries of health, or uh, uh, whatever government organization is around, I see no reason whatsoever why uh, they should not undertake the clinical trials. After all, this is what governments are to serve the population. And by doing a clinical trial, they can serve the population. Or, if they don't have the Uh, experience, then can ask one of the major pharmaceutical companies that has the experience, pay them the huge amount of money needed. Well, for a government, it's not huge. It's a minor thing. 10, 20, 30 million dollars. Uh, university cannot do it, but governments can. So maybe they will can be in touch with uh, the big pharma and ask the big pharma, please do it for us and we'll yep. pay for it. I see no reason why this cannot happen. All governments can do it. I mean, I see no, no reason why the U.S. government cannot do it, whether it's the uh, central government or the state government. I see no reason why they cannot 
uh, spend the money. Let's go back to Israel, though. Do we have a specific advantage in Israel that still gives us a, lead, a leading edge for the research here in Israel as opposed to the rest of the world? To a certain extent, we were lucky, if you wish. Uh, when I started my work, nobody was actually, or very few people were working on cannabis. The active compound, the psychoactive compound, had never been isolated in pure form, strangely enough. Uh, and uh, most of the uh, other compounds that are present in cannabis had not been isolated. People didn't know anything about them. So it was an open field. And uh, so uh, we did quite a lot of work. Uh, and other groups joined us doing work on pharmacology and, and uh, physiology and so on. And so in this respect, uh, Israel was ahead of the game to a certain extent. And it, it is still, I believe, uh, quite ahead of the game um, for most countries. Uh, here we have, a, for example, established a center for cannabinoid research at the Hebrew University. There are 20 or 30 independent groups that work on various aspects of cannabis. And uh, I happen to be the chairperson of that, but uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, groups that are doing research on various aspects, and therefore we are considered to be one of the leading uh, groups in the world. One of the reasons is that here the chemistry of cannabis was uh, elucidated, and also the chemistry of the endogenous cannabinoids was started here. Uh, as I told you, we worked from the 60s till the 80s on the material that was found in, in the plant, cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis yeah. plant. And uh, we learned quite a lot about it. But the mechanism was not known. And um, a receptor was found by an American group for THC in the brain. Now, we don't have receptors because there is a plant out there. We have receptors because uh, we produce compounds that activate these receptors, and then uh, uh, whatever happens is due to the uh, binding of these compounds to the receptors. So we started looking for the endogenous compounds that we make that uh, uh, start uh, uh, work that uh, bind to these receptors. And uh, everything we see with THC is actually a mimic the THC we thought, and it turned out to be correct, we thought that the THC mimics the work of compounds that we produce in our body. And so in the early 90s, so most 25 years, 30 years ago, we found two compounds, after quite a lot of work, that bind to these receptors, and THC mimics the activity of compounds that we make. Mm -hmm. So there has been a huge amount of work on these compounds all over the world. and uh, uh, But surprisingly, they have never been administered to a human. Oh. And the reason, again, is we need a lot of money for that. Yeah. Again, comparing that to, penicillin, to uh, insulin, insulin was given to a human essentially immediately after it was discovered. People make insulin, so why not give it today? People make anandamide, that's what we called the compound that we produce, 
but it has never, never been administered to human, although we know that in animals it does uh, quite a lot of positive things. So we need to have clinical trials not only with the plant material, we need clinical trials with the compounds that we produce, yeah. and we produce them for good reasons. Professor Mishalom, are we involved, Israel involved in the multi multinational research? Well, all research nowadays, or most research, is multinational. Mm -hmm. For example, we are working today on compounds uh, that uh, fight back uh, addiction. See, addiction, our body sees addiction as a disease. So we thought uh, that uh, if the body sees addiction as a disease, it probably does something to fight the disease. Let's find out what our body does or the, what the animal body does to fight the disease. And here we had a group of four colleagues uh, sat together at a meeting, drank a lot of coffee together mm -hmm. and discussed. And so we have a group now of, in addition to my own, a group in uh, Richmond, Virginia, a group in Canada, and group in Italy, and we work together and we publish together on this specific topic, addiction. And we found, for example, this particular compound, and we just published it, uh, it is the structure of this compound is not far away from anandamide, the compound which uh, has THC-like activity. This particular compound, which is a, a scientific name is oleoglycine, this specific compound blocks nicotine addiction when administered to mice, and it also blocks the withdrawal symptoms of nicotine and of morphine. Uh, what happens is that uh, people, but we haven't done that in people, we have done it in mice, uh, if they are addicted to morphine and all of a sudden they don't get their morphine, they get withdrawal symptoms like humans. Mm -hmm. And uh, <coughs> we found that this particular compound blocks the withdrawal symptoms of both nicotine and morphine. And um, this was... Uh, Uh, this particular point was found by the uh, Canadian group, but we are all involved. So we had a publication with about, about 20 names on the publication, wow. joint publication. So this is your answer for uh, international collaboration. It's, today it's easy to collaborate. I can collaborate better sometimes with somebody in Canada than somebody in the next uh, next building. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. So if, if you would want to say where the next breakthrough you think should be and where you think the researchers should focus their study on today, what would you tell them? Well, there are many aspects. One thing is uh, test the natural materials, in particular cannabidiol, because it causes no side effect. Test cannabidiol in quite a lot of diseases where we have Uh, indications, individual indications that it's active, like uh, autoimmune diseases, anxiety, things of that sort. There are pretty good positive indications that it works. We have to, we need the clinical trials. This is one thing. Another thing that will be developed is specific synthetic compounds for 
one of the receptors. We have two receptors, CB1 and CB2. Um, stimulation of CB1 causes the well-known cannabis effects. Stimulation of CB2 does not cause that. Stimulation of CB2 is basically uh, uh, preventive action by the body to many diseases. And so we should try to find or to develop compounds which bind to the CB2 receptor only. We have prepared such compounds and uh, definitely some of them are very active. And it is known that a CB2 specific compound may be active in pain, for example. This has been published. So this is the second thing. We have uh, the clinical trials. We have uh, uh, ultimately clinical trials with CB <coughs> with CB2 specific compounds. And of course, we need to find out why our body makes a lot of anandamide-like compounds. As I told you, anandamide is a uh, cannabis that we make. Yeah. But the body makes also almost 100 compounds of this type. Now, why the hell does the body make it? Well, we found that one of these compounds uh, lowers the damage done by uh, head trauma. This is something that was done by uh, Professor Esti Shohami mm -hmm. here, and that was published uh, quite some time ago. One of these 100 anandamide-like compounds. Another of these anandamide-like compounds is uh, uh, lowers osteoporosis. Uh, women after the age of 50 uh, have hormonal changes and basically their bones should uh, start uh, uh, deteriorating, blocking, breaking down. Well, this is not really true. They, mm, their bones are just as in men, uh, breaking down slowly or uh, because of age. Osteoporosis is an age-dependent disease. Mm -hmm. Well, our body makes an anandamide-like compound which blocks uh, the effect of uh, osteoporosis. So this is something that probably should be and will be developed. And again, the thing that I was telling you two minutes ago about addiction. Uh, our body fights addiction with compounds of this type. We have to find out exactly how it does it. Maybe we can block uh, opiate addiction. And opiate addiction in the U.S., well, it's a minor problem. Only 64,000 people died last year. But when you put them together, uh, you've always sp spoken about not those two compounds, but the additional compounds in cannabis and the entourage effect. Does that have a better effect? Well, first of all, there is a company in, the, in England that makes that has put THC and CBD together, 50-50, uh, and they found that uh, the mixture works uh, in, uh, I think, in some effects. Uh, I think that they use it for multiple sclerosis. It has been approved in several countries. That's one thing of a mixture. Then the plant has, in addition to CBD and THC, a lot of additional compounds which affect... Uh, uh, the way CBD and THC act, and we call that entourage effect. We discovered that 
I don't know, 25 years ago. And uh, this has not been investigated thoroughly, so we don't know uh, how these additional compounds affect THC and CBD. But the fact is that people that use medical cannabis prefer an extract which contains CBD, THC, as well as the additional compounds, rather than pure CBD and THC. Uh, THC is uh, an approved drug, and it is a minor drug. People don't like to take it. But a lot of people take the extract because of the entourage effect, and we don't know much about it. I do want to try one more question. You might not have an answer. <laughs> You've pioneered so many breakthroughs in the cannabis. Can you give us a guess what the next breakthrough will be? Well, when, uh, I'm not a prophet, I don't know. But chances are that we are looking at addiction at the moment, and we're very happy with uh, the results we have so far, the collaboration in four countries and addiction. <coughs> we have looked at the addiction in nicotine and going ahead with that, but we are also looking addiction in morphine and other addictions. That's one of the things that we are, I'm quite interested in. We're looking also at um, what all the other anandamide-like compounds do in the body. I mean, I don't believe that our body makes 100 compounds just because it has nothing else to do. <coughs> so I believe that these compounds have an have some kind of a effect. They do all kinds of things. We found that one of them reduces head trauma, another one works on uh, uh, osteoporosis, a third one uh, works on bones. So chances are that these compounds are of extreme interest. So I hope that we'll be doing some more work there. Thank you, Thank you much. so much. You're most welcome. We invite our colleagues overseas to write us at canacast.il at gmail.com. That's Canacast with two ends. Write to us with any ideas or requests for specific issues or innovations that you'd like to have discussed here on our podcast or individuals that you'd like to see us interview. And we invite our colleagues in Israel to let us know which issues interest them the most and who they would like to hear in this podcast. And if you are working and are close to reaching an innovation breakthrough, contact us and let us know about it here. Again, our email address is canacastil at gmail.com. That's C-A-N-N-A-C-A-S-T dot I-L at gmail dot com. Canacast I-L, 